Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations can begin. Today, I'm joined by two people who are not Pastor Marcus, um, our good friend Matthew Miner and Ronnie Williams. How are we doing, guys? We're doing great. Yep, doing great. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, Pastor Marcus could not make it. He has um, a sick child at home, so just prayers for him. But uh, today we get to uh, break down the rest of chapter 8, and after this we will be officially halfway through Romans, even though we've been here since, what did you say, Ronnie, April? Uh, I think it was April 17th of last year. Yep, yep. So we've been in here for, for a long time, but, but Romans 8, you know, widely considered one of the, the best chapters in, in all the Bible, many people's favorites. And it's been, it's been a joy to just walk through it uh, verse by verse with, with all of us and, and get to break it down on the podcast here. So um, glad you guys are here to kind of finish us off and um, talk about a really, one of my favorite, like just broken down passages, verses 31 through 39. So um, yeah, if y'all are ready, let's go, let's get started. Yeah, so, let's start so in. anything goes that the pa- now that the pastor's not yep. here. Okay. Anything goes. Anything goes. <laughs> okay, all right. This is uh, the after the sermon ends off the rails. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess I'll just start with a quick recap since Marcus isn't here. Um, like I said, he went through verses thirty-one through thirty-nine, and he was really looking at it from the perspective of the perseverance of the saints. We've talked about um, election. We've talked about. Um, God's calling us. Uh, Adam had a great message last week about how he calls us and the effectual versus the general call and how when he calls us like that, like, like we're, we're going to come to him and that's, and like, that's going to change our lives and our eternities. And then this follow-up passage, Marcus was talking about how like nothing can take us away from that. Our, our eternity is secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, you know, if he did not even spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things, all things that we need to be secure in him for the rest of our lives here on earth and into eternity? And yeah, there's so many intricate things that we could break down with that, but uh, talked about um, in verses 33 and 34 about uh, Satan being the accuser and bringing condemnations about people, but like, what is that compared to um, God who justifies and was uh, died and raised for us? And also um, just going into the, all those different things that, that could be separators on the earthly level, um, whether it's famine or nakedness or danger or sword, or the, there's so many different others. But nothing is going to separate us from the love of God if we are in Christ Jesus. And, and how that leads us to worship him and, and, and have this security while we live here on earth. And I think there's just so many people walking around just not clinging to that assurance. And they're constantly worried about the, their lives or like where, like what's happening to them. And I think we can all learn from this passage and from what Marcus taught that we can have that assurance. We can cling to that assurance. We can read it, read about it over and over and over again in this passage. And it, it can help us wherever we're at in whatever season. So, Yeah. Um, any any volunteers to kind of give us their their takeaways first? I honestly think that thirty eight through thirty nine kind of sum up the whole of this section. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angel nor principality nor power nor thing present nor thing to come nor height nor depth nor any other cre- uh, created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's, that is in the plainest text Paul could ever write. 
Um, the word persuaded there as well. I went and uh, pulled the original Greek term of which I cannot for the life of me pronounce. <laughs> yeah, let me see it. Actually, I just saw that it had the uh, English pronunciation there, so. Do you have like a, yeah, where's the, oh, patho? Yeah. Patho, everybody. Um, which translates more to persuade, but then the way that it's presented according to the manual of Greek lexicon of the New Testament, it states that it is, this word could mean to persu- to apply persuasion, but it also could mean that he is so persuaded that he believes to listen to or obey. Yeah. And in this context, it's very clear that Paul has used the whole last section, not this whole section, but everything from Romans 1 to now as the basis of nothing's going to separate us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Ronnie, any thoughts from you? Well, <laughs> basically... It- it's just this reassuring that we are in Christ and uh, going back to 828 and the, those verses, how everything comes together for our good, for the ones who are called, who love Christ, who know Christ, that we're in his plan. And so all these to me are, that was reassuring to me that was that in everything, good or bad, He's got me. Um, there's nothing that, you know, as was stated yesterday, that, that can take us away from Christ, can take Christ away from us. And uh, he went into, uh, what's it, Matthew yesterday, or I've got it written down somewhere where he said, uh, maybe it was John, but uh, where he says, I have them, I, you, you know, these belong to me, and they'll never be taken away from me. They'll be never be snatched away from me. And so we can depend on Christ. We can depend on God's salvation plan. And that's all we can depend on, and it's enough to depend on. Yeah. Yeah, so for me. Yeah, one of the most powerful things that, that he said, Marcus uh, said yesterday, was that, you know, we cannot be separated from God if we are in Christ. No one can take our salvation, not even you. And I was thinking about that, and it's like, how how often do my doubts and my fears cause me to doubt my salvation? Like, no one's, no one's bringing any, like, external charge against me and telling me I'm not saved. No one's telling me I'm not doing enough on the outside. But it's all this internal pressure that I've putting on myself to perform or, you know, do enough to earn God's approval. And, like, how many times do I, like, try to, you know, reason my way away from my salvation rather than relying on that assurance, relying on what Christ has done? And it's like, not even that, not even all that worrying, and not even me um, can take, not even I can take away that salvation from myself. And, and that right there, like, that, that is powerful, um, knowing that, that that is secure for me and and what that means for us as we as we live our lives here on earth is is amazing. Yeah, that assurance is one of those things that many Christians seek this assurance and they feel like there should be some way more than just listening to the words of Paul, but instead they feel like they have to do something. They have to earn it. Even though that as we learned last week, 
and we've learned every week throughout this whole book that it is just a free gift. It was a free gift given. There was no way to earn salvation. Christ did not do it so that we may be debted to him, but instead that we may love him. In any other viewpoint or interpretation of Scripture offers us absolutely no peace of mind, no peace whatsoever, uh, because we would be depending upon ourselves and be so uh, every, every moment doubting. And, you know, and we do have doubts at times. Things pop up in our lives and, and make us question things, which, you know, okay, that happens. But then we get to fall back on this truth. We get to fall back on there's absolutely nothing that can separate us because he worked it out. He chose us. He called us. And he is going to continue to keep us until everything brings us to uh, here, uh, to the end of this age, and we're glorified. Yep. So. And actually, this went really well into a conversation me and Gio had after. Um, Gio's grandfather passed away last week, and he was telling me about um, the, his time in the hospital after his stroke. And we started talking about um, his grandfather was, uh, was a Roman Catholic. And so we were talking about last rites. Well, part of last rites is confession. But Gio's grandfather could not, was not awake to be able to give his confession. So Gio asked me the question, according to the Roman Catholic view, where is he? And a strict interpretation of the Roman Catholic doctrine is he's in purgatory and has to work off his sin. But I told him that we can have assurance because of, I didn't say it as eloquent as this, but because of this chapter in Roman, uh, this section in Romans 8, that there, well, he's not in purgatory, but he's at the, the, feet of the, uh, the feet of the Father and the Son, and he's worshiping there. Gio has no doubt where he is. He was just wondering. So I'm saying even other Christians, even ones that have been around 2,000 years, <laughs> have, get this wrong. So, yeah, yeah. Before we start getting like too deep into the specific verses themselves, I want to ask you guys, you know, this, this whole idea of perseverance of the saints, like once saved, always saved. If you believe, like you cannot lose your salvation, truly. Like where, why do you think this is such a widely debated topic in the church? Why, why do you think people still believe that you can lose your salvation? Because, I mean, Marcus was saying it pretty clearly for us. Um, sounds like all of us believe it pretty clearly. And it's a, it's a great assurance for the believer if they believe it, but um, it can be very damaging. And, um, yeah, and it can and some, like hurt our faith if we don't believe it. So, like, why, why, why are there still differences in opinion there? So I think that the main route comes down to, like I said, it's more the people. We want to feel involved in some way in this process. And we feel like we must be able to lose it because we've been able to lose everything else so far. <laughs> but it's also like, it's that fact of guilt. It's like that guilt where like, well, maybe we're not, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe that's the reason why I'm continuing to feel this guilt in, in failing. Even though that it's, pro, it's part of this process of sanctification for us to fail. Paul said earlier in this that there is nothing that is not common to all men. And it's one of those that this is the 
the summation of it. This is Paul saying, yeah, it's common to all men, but we can have hope and we can have assurance in this, that there is nothing that separates us. None of that sin or anything can do it. And he's telling this to a Roman audience, but he's also telling this to us many years later that because of the the guilt and the felt like us feeling useless in this process because we're not necessary in this process in the slightest so and uh of course that that makes us feel like okay uh i'm gonna earn this a little i'm gonna appease god you know i'm gonna prove something to god and to others but it comes also i think from um ignorance uh, of the scriptures and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way it's just uh, not being aware and not ha- not uh, having opportunity or taking the opportunity that uh, our leadership has been taking uh, since I've been here uh, preaching verse by verse by verse you know chapter by chapter just in breaking down every uh, verse and explaining it from the original languages, and uh, and so I don't think a lot of people have that that have that background. So they're, they're going to go with uh, uh, good sayings and platitudes and uh, ideas that, and sometimes it can keep people in control. You know, you better be good. You know, I'm going to because uh, I'm the leader, or you know, and there are situations like that, of course, but uh, people perish without. Because they have no uh, knowledge of the Word of God, you know. Yeah. So. And so. speaking of platitudes, you can look at 31, which is just like the most out of context. <laughs> right. If God is for us, who could be against us? And Marcus brought up a good point with that, too. It's like the if God is for us mm-hmm. and how people can twist that and make it seem like, oh, you got to get God on your side. And if he is on your side, then you're good. But this is more saying, like, it's it's more of a... I think you said conditional, where it's like, because God is with us, we, like, nothing can stand against us, and nothing, like, nothing can separate us from him, and, but we wouldn't know that, one, if we didn't look at the original language, but two, if we didn't look at the previous context, like, he was putting it in context, I mean, Matthew, you said earlier, like, how this is all leading up from the the whole um, first chapter, even, I think Marcus was saying, like, there's a there, there's a section from Romans 5 on to here. This is the end of that section. Um, or, but even in, like, all of Scripture, you look at all these different contexts, the immediate and the whole context of Scripture, it's like you see what that if really <coughs> means. And you see how that if really is not referring to any type of earning and conditional. Um, or, any, yeah, like, you have to have God on your side so that... Um, nothing's going to be able to separate you from him but it's because of and it's it's we we have Christ that is the that is the constant state of who we are if we are in Christ and his and his love abounds in us so we we like if we look at the context we we understand that and i, I yeah that's that's a great point Ronnie of bringing it up it's like we ha- we have to look at the the scripture verse by verse and, and see where we're coming from with this yeah. and not just pick out you know what we think sounds nice it's in the it's a total game changer. <laughs> yep. And it's one of those things that modern churches really don't do anymore. Right. Like, you don't find many big churches with a larger congregation that 
we'll go verse by verse through a whole book. You're going to lose so many people. Yeah. You know, we want a topic, every a different topic every Sunday, you know. <laughs> Even though the topic should be God every right, Sunday. Right, right. <laughs> um, as well, though, just to touch a little bit on this in 31, um, the if God is for us, then who can be against us? People think people will take that and think, oh, well, everything good will happen to me because I have God on my side. It's like, I will tell you, go back to the Old Testament. Read the stories of the people that have God on their side. You'll see that, you'll see like the prophet Jeremiah is thrown into a cistern and is going to drown until an Ethiopian prince saves him. You can look at the story of Daniel and um, his uh, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, where they're thrown into a... Uh, all but Daniel are thrown into a fiery furnace, but uh, as I say it, proto-Jesus, there's actually a, a whole different term that I can't think in my head of what that is, but it's like Christ is with them. Yeah, Christ, Christi, Christi, uh, Christology. Christology. Yeah, a Christophany. Or, yes, a Christophany. Yeah, Christophany. Yep. yeah, yeah. That's the word. Um, yeah. But it's one of those that, like, when you look through it, God has... As Paul has very clearly stated throughout Romans, God has not promised us not to suffer, but he has promised that he will be with us every step through that. Because there is nothing that is not, there is nothing that God does that is not for the good of those who love God. And so in that, in that way, pain is, pain is still there. And suffering is not a very attractive uh, subject to dwell on and to teach your flock. No, <laughs> but it's, it's not. the truth. <laughs> but it's one of those that like, people are like, why, why do Christians... Why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, It's like, because it's for someone else's salvation. How many people have been saved at a funeral from a, pr- uh, from a small uh, pre- presentation of the gospel? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what God is doing. God is trying to get the most amount of people to understand and believe. And so it, that may involve the death of some. That may involve the torture of some. But God, he has said he will be with you throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we're just, you know, honest with even like our own faith journeys, if we start digging into the way in which God saved us, like you you start to see like what links he went through and who he used and how like little small things impacted us in certain ways to, to get us to where we are today, not just for the initial moment of belief, but also for the the perseverance of that belief. And it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've like wanted to, to curse God and I've told God, it's like, I want nothing more to do with him because of everything that's going on in my life. And yet at the same time, just turn around a couple of days later and God's right there saying like, you can't get rid of me that easy. <laughs> and, and he's, he's putting people, he's putting things in place to, to strengthen my faith. And sometimes it may look like weakness. It sometimes it may look like I'm going through a really hard time that, that is meant to diminish my faith and put people in place that I like, I feel like are obstacles, but those are ac- actually ways in which he strengthens my faith. And, um, and I think one thing that Marcus was saying in this in this way of like, yeah, there's going to be things that come against you. It's not this verse is not saying nothing is going to come against you. It's that nothing, like if things do come against you, they're not going to mean anything to you yeah. because you have Christ. As the okay. as a eight thirty nine said, there's nothing that is created that can separate us. Yeah. And what what's so great about that? God created everything <laughs> that's not the Godhead. <laughs> And uh, j- uh, there was a quote earlier this week by J.C. Ryle. Trials are intended to make us think. 
to wean us from the world, to send us to the Bible, to drive us to our knees. And uh, it just seems like there's been so much uh, uh, extracurricular stuff going on in my life uh, that I'm seeing and reading and hearing that's going right with what we've been studying in Chapter 8 for the last couple months or whatever. (laughs) Yep. Right. So, I mean, that kind of starts us off with verses 31, 32 a little bit. Um, I do want to kind of shift the thought to verse 33 and 34, talking about, like, who is to condemn and what's the other one? Who shall bring a a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who has died and furthermore is also risen, who is who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. I love the word intercession, because it's one of those words that we don't hear and we don't use enough when it comes to Christ. Christ is the intermediary. He is the intercessor. He He's, he's the one that bridged the gap. It's one of those that we... we to talk, to reference our previous conversation about we wanting to feel involved, there was nothing we could do. <laughs> Christ is the only way because he was the intercessor, the in, the intercessor yeah. for us between God and us. He brought us back together so that we may be co-heirs. Yeah, and who couldn't be encouraged <laughs> by that? You know. Yeah. Maybe a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's just kind of interesting looking at these things like who can bring any charge against God's elect and who is to condemn like those two aspects, and I think the world's response to those things now is to give yourself more love, like more self love is the antidote to yeah. like self condemnation, right? Or more right. self love is the antidote to someone bringing a charge against you, or like you saying, oh, you know, like only God can judge me, yeah. which would be a lot worse actually. Right. Um, but like that that self-love element of like yeah just you know just try a little harder to like treat yourself you know lay off of yourself don't be so hard on yourself and instead the bible is point clearly pointing the antidote to no it's it's christ he died he rose again he's interceding for us now like that all those charges don't mean anything that doesn't mean we need to like give ourselves more love we need to fall on our face and worship him and yeah, it, that was something um, that I saw from this. You know, go, like listening to Marcus say talk about it too. It's like, like where where else do you guys see either charges or condemnations coming from, either outside of us or inside of us? Well, uh, society as a whole, the media. You know, once you stand for something uh, that's absolute and true and holy, uh, you're going to be Uh, picked at you're going to be analyzed examined and everything every skeleton in your closet can be uh, exposed you know rich you know the thing is like all humanity like we put people on pedestals and then we try then when they lose favor we then try to toothpick their life we comb their life looking for all the small things Mm -hmm. and it's like oh well they did this and this and this the, th- the thing is, going back to that conversation of we can't lose our salvation, we can have hope in this that Christ has covered it. C- 
Christ has Christ has done this. Have we done bad things? Yes. We should never deny. We should never de- de- deny the sin we've committed. But we should understand that it is forgiven. Yes. And we need to not dwell on that because dwelling on that is only going to lead us down a path of self destruction. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and you know, and one thing too, it's like for like who is to condemn? Like our hearts condemn us all the time. Um, you know, our hearts are the ones that try and, you know, like we talked about earlier, just like they're, they're the ones that are trying to find reasons to be in that guilt, be in that shame. And it's like, I don't know how, like I'm, I'm the most harsh person on myself than anybody else is, you know? And, but I mean, we clearly see, um, in first John verse uh, 19 and 20 or chapter three, um, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Um, and I think that's just so powerful. This, this verse in Romans 8 is echoing that of, like, our heart, even if it does condemn us, God is still greater than our heart. Yeah, that's so such a, that's such a powerful thing to think about, is that even the thing that supplies blood to all our limbs and everything, God is more powerful than that. God is more powerful than our own self-doubt and more powerful than anything we can possibly charge ourselves with. So, so nothing can separate us. Huh? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of feels like we're, we're coming back to the same point, but I think that's what Paul like does too. He's, yeah. He keeps circling and circling and circling, and he keeps hitting the point. It's not like he's circling without hitting the point. He hits it every verse of... You know, nothing is going to separate us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And like he says it in a bunch of different ways, but sometimes we need all the different ways yep. to finally convince us, right? Like yes. one of them's not going to click one day, but we need over and over and over again until you know one of those one of those truths finally hits us in the face of like, oh yeah, God actually loves me. He actually is holding me, and He's actually like bought my eternity, and I'm actually secure in Him. Oh wow, like I can actually trust Him, yeah. right? Um, and, and I think that that's the beautiful thing about this chapter and just scripture in general. It's like some of it can sound really repetitive, repetitive. And if, you know, some, some really analytical people look at it and they can get tired of it. But as, as Christians, like we, we never get tired of it. Yeah. And as we move on in the future and as we leave Romans and go to another book, uh, whatever that may be, you know, we're going to fall and we're going to mess up uh, in this chapter is going to come to us these verses this passage is going to come to us and reassure us because we have spent so much time and discussion on it and gone around in circles as you say and hey and i'm so thankful and we're going to have each other to remind our ourselves Mm -hmm. and to remind each other of this yeah that's the reason why we're called to live in community yes it's like um I think it was two series ago, maybe three, when we did Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. I still think of that quite often, of that series, because we went through one of my favorite sections. But the reason why uh, Matthew 5 through 7 is one of my favorite sections is because it establishes what it means to be a Christian. And then I love that what we're doing in Romans is also just building on top of that. It's like Marcus had first presented to us. It's like, this is what it is to be a Christian. 
Now let me show you how you can try how we can try to maintain this. Yes. Because <laughs> if you just read like Matthew five, uh, uh, no, it's not Matthew five. Matthew six. It's like um, if you ever looked uh, longingly on a woman, then you've committed uh, you've committed adultery. It's like if you just read that, you're gonna condemn yourself and just go, I might as well just die. <laughs> You're gonna rip your shirt, cover yourself in ashes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then you read something, you read this, and it's like nothing can separate us. Yeah, yeah. By no means does this verse, you know, advocate for God being soft on sin. Like we heard from on Correct. on Sunday, Marcus very clearly was like, no, he's not gonna let you slide um, on that. But but because of Christ and because of the great work that Christ has done that this this is the status of of us now so i also just one last thing on 34 um right hand of god jesus being seated at the right hand of the father it's one of those that i love what mark has said because it's so true to the thing that in the old in the old testament jews they were constantly sacrificing because they constantly committed sin and so the priest had, <laughs> there was no rest for the priest. And so he, there was no time to sit down. But Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice, he is at, in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, because there's nothing for him to do. His enemies are his footstool. Yeah. As uh, King David said in Psalms 110, verse 1. I, th- I think that was what Marcus used yesterday. Yeah. Um, I could get it written down somewhere, but yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, He's seated at the right seat, the right hand of the Father, and his enemies are his footstool. Yeah, yeah, and like he gave the dichotomy with like the the priests from the Old Testament times of like yeah. he's always on his feet. He like there's the mercy seat, but there's no other seats in there, you know. And those seats for the priest to sit down. He's always making intercession, constantly doing stuff to, um, yeah, to work with that and to make atonement and you know for all the people's sin, but. Christ seated, like you said, he's yeah. he, there's nothing for him to do anymore, except he is still interceding for us, right? But that, yeah. but the work is done, so that that's the beautiful part. Because the blood was good enough; mm-hmm. it was sufficient. The blood of Christ, yes. There's a song that we basically just used all the lyrics for. I'm sh- there's like five songs. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so we have a few minutes left, but I do want to touch on. Um, Verse, verses 37, like the, it's like, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I particularly like the version of the NLT where it's like, in all these things, over, like, like overwhelming victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And yeah, I mean, there, there's song after song about like, you know, being more than conquerors and stuff like that. But one thing that Marcus reminded us of yesterday is like, we are not conquerors in ourselves. We are in, con- we are conquerors very clearly from this verse in Christ Jesus our Lord. And like that is the key difference, right? Um, but yeah, any, any thoughts on those few verses? So in Romans uh, 8.37, um, I've, it just makes me think back to at CMC, we did this thing for years called Man Treat, where it was all the young men in the church. Um, this ranged from like 6th grade to 12th grade, and even some of the... Um, more college uh, guys went with some of the older guys. We went camping for three days, I think, and we would talk about different things. One of the topics we talked about was this verse because we were talking about, like, 
what is truly being, what is the percep- what is biblical manhood, and the the summation verse was this: it's like, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us, and it's one of those that we, as the world, look at what what is a man supposed to be is very different than what Jesus says we are to be. It's like Jesus said, be meek, humble, when the world's like, you need to be strong and arrogant. <laughs> but it, it's supposed to be, what we talked about was all of this collates in, we are more than conquerors. It's like men are seen as conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Yeah. Any thoughts, Ronnie? Well, it just goes right back to... Uh, showing that it is Christ and going back to the beginning when Marcus was talking about speaking to the guy who was uh, questioning him about uh, once saved always saved uh, the eternal security of the believer <clears throat> it just kind of knocks away any human effort any human uh, accomplishment that would uh, try to say that is keeping us and good graces before God, you know, our abilities and everything. So, no, uh, the victory, the conquering is Christ in us, uh, bringing us in uh, sancti- uh, through sanctification daily. And as we submit to that, there's the, there's the conquering, the submission to Christ. And I think that's the hardest thing for us to do on an um, ongoing practice is submitting to God and that's the conquering because as we do submit to him we're being obedient to him and we're living out Christ before the world and that's easily said you know but you know that's where the rubber meets the pavement I think yeah also makes me think about uh, C.S. Lewis's to get in my C.S. Lewisism. ding 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 um <laughs> Uh, to get it in, uh, the third book of the Chronicles of Narnia series, The Horse and His Boy. Um, it's one of those that no one really talks about this book. It's like the magician's nephew. No one talks about it. But um, in the book, um, it is clearly shown throughout it that it is only, in the book, it's the plans of Aslan that succeed. And it is, and this boy was not called to be a, con- a conqueror, but instead he was called to be a messenger. And as we can see through like first Peter, that's very similar to what we're called to be because we are sojourners in a strange, in the strange land. We are, this is not our home, but this is where we are now as well. It's like, um, to be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. It's like all of these things are to show us that this world does not matter. And the more that we talk about like the reasons why we possibly think we can lose our salvation, it all comes back to us focusing on the world versus focusing on what we should be, which is Christ, which can he, we can never be separated from him now. Yeah, that's good. Um, any final thoughts or encouragements for the listener? Like anything, it's like if they, if they hear nothing else except for this one thing uh, to take away from Marcus's message and our conversation today, what would you tell them? I would say... Um, Okay, this is some pretty deep stuff. This is some heavy scripture, and it can intimidate every one of us. It could, uh, but it, I think it just screams grace and peace for the believer that there is uh, 
this hand that we're in, and it's the, the hand of God, and he has us. He has us there, and he has us there He's for got a the purpose. Whole yeah. World yeah, in his hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and we're there. You know, I've had that image going through my mind for a couple of days now that we're in his hand, this big hand. You know, when you're little, you learn that song, and you see these illustrations. Hey, it's true. <laughs> I love all the illustrations I think about as a child. I learn more and more as I get older, that those things are right. <laughs> yeah, they're great teachers, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think that, that about does it. You got one more thing? I got one more thing. So this has been a very deep topic and has been a very um, interesting one on, like, the inability to lose your salvation. If you want to continue with this topic, you can go listen to Is This Biblical's last episode on um, suicide which we get very deep and honestly this is a after we did that episode we we just hit this and it's like it goes hand in hand together that there is nothing that separates us uh, neither death nor life so it's one of those that we can have assurance in that so i just highly recommend listening to that and uh it's just me and geo um yeah on that one no dawson's on that one and dawson yeah i'm just listening listening to it on the way here it's really good you you should definitely go listen to it listener yeah but this one just goes really well with that yeah yeah very cool well listener thank you so much for joining us today we hope that you were blessed by our blabbering today uh gone gone around and around but seriously though the the truth of this passage the verses 31 through 39 is astronomical for us and 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 can serve us every single day in a, in a new and beautiful way for us to know jesus so uh cling to that truth cling to that assurance and and we pray that that um, God re- would reveal that truth to you. Uh, and get you w- ready for chapter nine. Yes, yep. get ready. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt, everybody. Um, but yeah, if you want to continue the conversation, we have our Wednesday night activities. Uh, we start at um, 6 p.m. with a meal on Wednesday nights, and then uh, we also have kids and youth on those dates, and then um, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our service. But listener, thank you again. Until next time.